Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. You're listening to the 50 Shades of K podcast with host Elizabeth K, a podcast designed to empower, enlighten, and entertain with perspectives that most women are thinking, but not always saying. This is 50 Shades of K. The day of love is this month. Yeah, Valentine's Day. Does it make you feel like you dread it or do you get excited about it? But what if that feeling and excitement of Valentine's Day could be more than just a day? If it could be an ongoing excitement and playfulness that you have with your partner? You can get that back. It's possible. And my guest today, who is a relationship and intimacy coach, can help. Allison Orlovsky is back on the Fifty Shades of K podcast. Thanks for being here, Yay! Allison. I'm so happy to be back again. We had so much fun the first time. We so. did. Well, talking <laughs> talking about relationships is something I've always been really interested in. But you get really into it when you work with clients individually to get down to what do they want to achieve in their relationship and how can they achieve it. But Valentine's Day sometimes comes with some pressure or people feel like, all right, I'll take care of him or her this one day and then we're good the rest of the year. And we all know that doesn't work. And eventually people get resentful, they drift apart and sadly relationships end. What are some easy suggestions you can offer today to help someone listening to bring that playfulness, intimacy and passion back into the relationship? Yeah, I just I want to really just reaffirm that it's very normal to look at Valentine's Day as that obligatory hallmark holiday. And it's really just about changing your mindset about it. Like, what does it actually represent? It's actually a celebration of your relationship. And so from that place, it's your relationship. So yes, there's always, I think it feels easy and hard at the same time to say, okay, I'll make the dinner reservation and I'll, you know, shell out the hundred dollars for the, yeah. <laughs> the dozen roses and that will be it. But for some people that might be the thing that they look forward to all week. And it's really about getting or all year, but it's really getting to know your partner, but that it's truly those little things. And so using this year, Valentine's Day, and, you know, using February as a month of love, and I actually have some ideas of things, you know, little things every day, to really use it to reconnect with your partner, as you said. And I think the thing that takes a lot of people out is that they think it has to be really big, really monumental, super special. I have to surprise him or her with this amazing vacation. I have to surprise him or her with this very elaborate thing or event to prove their love. And quite honestly, the opposite is, you know, more true. 
Yeah, for sure. I mean, I'm not going to mind if someone, you know, if Eric says, hey, I want to take you on a trip. Cool. I'll take the trip. But what happens after the trip is done and what happens leading up to the trip? I mean, it's these other little things that people should be doing throughout the year, right? Exactly. And that's the thing that, like, think about when you were dating, right? So it really goes back to not taking your partner only on a date, whether it's dinner or a vacation, but continually dating your partner. And what were those things, right? You used to get excited when you had the little text that said thinking about you or can't wait to see you. And, you know, whether it was rated G or rated X, like somewhere in there, those little things, or someone brought you a cup of coffee in bed or rubbed your feet while you were watching TV. Like there's, you know, you came home and the dishes were washed. (laughs) Yeah, something very little. Those little things make big impact. And I think, you know, depending upon where you are in your relationship, for some people, these might just be great reminders. And for some people that have become disconnected, some of the, even these little things feel a little awkward and out of place. Um, and I get that. So the first thing that I would recommend doing, if you haven't already done this, I think most people that have done this understand the power of it, is actually take the love language quiz. Thank you, Um, Allison. Everyone (laughs) should do that. Everyone should do that. And it's free. And you just need to go to fivelovelanguages.com. And I would highly recommend making it. Like, that's the first thing that you can do it with your partner. It takes, I don't know, like 15 minutes. It's not crazy long. It's not crazy complicated. But it will be life-changing. Because when you understand what you, how you most receive love and how your partner best receive love, then you can tailor the things to support their needs. And I'll give you a little example. Even before I took this quiz, years and years ago when Austin and I first started dating, he took the trash out for me and I didn't ask him to. And I think that was one of the first moments I said, I think I might love this man. (laughs) Acts of service. Yes. Acts of service. You nailed it. That is my love language. That, yeah, that's the same with me. That's exactly the same because in my world, in my, I feel like by my husband making dinner on a certain night when he knows I've been busy or like what he did this year, he surprised me and put up all the Christmas decorations outside and I didn't have to do any of it. It showed me that he respected my time enough to know how busy and overwhelmed I would be, that that would be a way to almost gift me and show me his love instead of like giving me an actual gift wrapped up in a present, which is nice, I could care less about that. I care about the fact that he valued my time enough to know she's had a long day. I know she wants the outdoor Christmas lights to be up. I can do it without her. I'm going to surprise her and put them all up. And like you said, you have that moment of, oh, my God, I love you. Thank you. (laughs) Now I could just sit on the couch and look out at the pretty Christmas lights and not worry about having to get them up. But I didn't even know anything about it until I took that test, Allison. I'm so with you on that. Right. And, you know, even for men, like the number of men that have come to me in our own conversations and have said, I know my love language is this and I know my partner's love, like that. It's not touchy-feely, you know, what we perceive as just for women. Like I highly recommend both men and women taking it because it truly then, you know, you can bring presents all day long. And if that's not your partner's primary love language, you're like, well, what am I doing? Like, my crying out loud, I'm like spending all this money. I'm taking, I'm making all this effort and it doesn't seem to matter. Yeah. And that's like, you're just spending your effort 
And again, I, when I look at the list of love languages, words of affirmation, quality time, receiving gifts, acts of service, and physical touch, almost all of us appreciate all of them on some level. But the key is to finding the top one or two that are going to have the most impact, the most meaning, the most value to your partner with the littlest amount of effort on your part. Yeah, and it, it, it'll really cut through, too, because mm-hmm. when you're speaking their language, they're, they're going to understand you and you're going to understand them. And we honestly had we had our son take the test. We had a bunch yeah. of friends over and other couples hadn't heard of it, and we had them take the test online. And they one couple were blown away with the other's response. And you could uh-huh. see them both have that light bulb of like, oh, my God, I've been showing you my love in the wrong way. So we had my son, who's almost 16. He's like, hey, I want to take it and see. And we learned for him, gifts came up as a zero. Like he's uh-huh. all about quality time and experience, which was eye opening up as his parents when it's like, OK, maybe we need to change some of these birthdays uh-huh. and Christmases of what we do here when he could care less about getting a, a gift. It's it's so cool, and the, you get emails after you take the test that offer mm-hmm. you other suggestions, like you said, that are like free and easy. Mm-hmm. It's, yeah, it's so helpful. It is. It's a huge resource. I mean, and again, not to get off our topic today, but when you go to Five Love Languages, they do. They have it for couples. They have it for teens. They have it for singles. Like, it's a huge, really wonderful, wonderful, generous resource that they have out there. And again, it's. It's a game changer. And so one way that you can play with that, I mean, there's lots and lots of ways just knowing that, um, you know, what your partner's love language is and yours. But one fun way that I, you know, think to play with that and explore that is to create a bingo car, right? Like some of these are, are we talking about being playful and silly, but fill out the, you each have your own card. And you fill out the card on the inside with the things that might be most meaningful to you to give your partner an idea of what those things are that they could do for you. That's a good idea. So I would make out a bingo card for my husband, Eric, about like Mm -hmm. what I would want and he does the same. Yes. And then you trade them. And then at the top, like once you've created a bingo, you list three or five things that, okay, see, if I'm now... I've created a bingo, which means I've done five things for you that are in your love language. Here's the thing that I would like reciprocated in my love language. So you do those five things, you know, that might be little things. And then, you know, once I get a bingo, then I get a 10-minute, you know, shoulder massage or you make dinner for the night, whatever that thing might be Well, you could really come up with something really creative for those. Right. And again, you can have them as rated G, (laughs) rated X as you want. (laughs) Yeah, but even just talking about it, like it's exciting and fun to even talk about this. And and your mind kind of wanders and that anticipation builds that a little bit Mm -hmm. of excitement too. Right. I think absolutely. And to keep it front of mind, right, because it's a practice. We can all do something one or two days, but how do you make, you know, those little things and forefront of your mind. Because we do. We have all have busy lives. The kids, the career, the house, the chores, the parents, the the friends, the all the things. And so, you know, unfortunately that's where a lot of relationships is never intentional. But they just, you know, they get busy and disconnected and we think, oh, our partner's a big kid. <laughs> big person adults, they can take care of themselves. 
And that's when these little things seem to fall away. So we need to practice getting back in that groove of doing these little things. And by making it a game, you know, you're like, okay, I want to be consistent because, you know, first of all, I care about my partner, so I'd like to do these little things. But if I'm consistent, then there's a reward in it for me. Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with that. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with doing that and asking, also just asking for what you need. I think a lot of um, couples forget that I can simply ask for help. I can simply ask for a foot rub. I can simply, like, we're not mind readers, right? So that's just another little thing that I know it might feel a little awkward or, or a little selfish, but if your partner has the opportunity to take care of you, sometimes, again, they just need the reminder. Yeah, because um, if you don't say what you're feeling or what you mean, you can't just expect the person to read your mind. Even if you've been together for a really long time, you need to sometimes just say exactly what it is that you want. Absolutely. Expecting your partner to read your mind is absolutely one of the worst things that you can like that is not a reflection of how much they care about you. If you ask them to do something and then they don't or put up major resistance without, you know, without a fair and good reason, that's a better sign of you have issues in your relationship than your partner just not knowing what you need at that moment. That's a, you know, yeah. a pretty high standard to for anyone to fulfill. What if you have one person and we talked about this in the last podcast that's all in and wants to the bingo card? And wants to bring back that spice, but the other person is just a little resistant to it. How do you overcome that? I think that's just an opportunity to continue. So two things show up for me when you ask that question. So the first one is to then ask your partner, well, what's, how can we take this idea or this concept and play with it and make it something that you would be willing to be in on? Yeah. Okay, so maybe bingo feels a little cheesy for you. What about redeeming gift certificates? What about a fun little point system? What about a scavenger hunt? What about like, you know, like what is the thing? You can offer some suggestions, but really. That's a great answer. Put the ball in there for it. Yeah. Yeah, because um, maybe, maybe it isn't. Maybe they don't, like you said, maybe they think it's cheesy. Okay, well, how can we make it work for both of us? Mm-hmm. Right, because now you're practicing partnership which is another level. You're practicing a deeper level of communication. You know, it might be understanding your partner's love language. And, you know, quite honestly, then you're also getting a sense of, like, how committed are they to this relationship? True that. And that's definitely something to consider as well. Well, right. and you, you said something earlier that I thought was fun to think about. When you first fall in love with that person, we all can remember that time or what that feels like. And it's so consuming of everything remember you know you're thinking about them all the time and you can't wait to see them and you're so excited and you're talking about them and you're looking at pictures on your phone of them and you're just all about that person and to get that back think of how you were able to still do your job but fall in love at the same time meaning you're not too busy Mm -hmm. to fall back in love with your person whether it is an extra text that you wouldn't normally send that's just about how you feel for the person instead of hey did you pick up the kids or I've got, I'm going to be late from work or whatever. I mean, think of all the mundane texts we send our partners. Mm-hmm. When do you sprinkle in those fun ones? That's what you need to do more of. It's so easy. We all have text. Exactly. That's, I think, where just, we need to remind ourselves 
right? And or create reminders for our partners. And I love this just the philosophy of like give to get. A lot of people have this thought of like, well, my partner won't do it back, or or like I tried, and then and they won't. But it's consistently showing up from a place of true love and not necessarily expecting something, but being consistent and trusting that they will notice and it will matter. And most often when you don't make a big deal about it, you don't have this high level expectation, your partner will start to appreciate it and they will start to reciprocate it. They will start to realize, oh, that was pretty cool. Like that felt really nice. Like now I want it, you know, kind of creates that I want to do something nice back. Give um, to get. You, yeah, you give a little bit in order to get. And, you know, and sometimes, again, we think, like, I really want my partner to hold my hand. Okay, so if you held your partner's hand, wouldn't your hand still be held? Wouldn't, like, the results still be the same thing? Like, Totally, I- Allison. <laughs> yeah. So I think, you know, I know some people throw up some resistance. Like, I want my partner to do all these things for me and totally get it. Like, that does make us feel special and loved. But why are we not the ones to initiate that to create, you know, that reciprocal feeling? If we want to feel that way, why would we think our partner doesn't want the same from us? And why should we not do that? And to get back to your point, it absolutely is about, you know, you may not do everything the same way that you did when you were dating. Right? Like, You've changed, your life changed, your partners, like all these things have changed. But you definitely want to have those feelings back. Yes. So, you know, doing some of the things you used to do and the way you used to do them, they may feel a little old and tired and boring. But really get present to the feelings that you want to have with your partner, that excitement, that anticipation. And based on who you are now, what does that look like? You know, what sort of text would you send? What sort of surprise would you give them? What sort of date would feel fun for you? Maybe you guys used to have fun going out drinking and hanging out at the bars and now that's not your thing, but what is it now that is it axe throwing? Is it cross-country skiing? You know, is it cooking dinner together? Is it finding a new hobby? I know those are, you know, little, you know, things that are a little more involved, but just, again, those Look at the feelings and who you are now and, and reevaluate what's important because, quite honestly, the big picture in all of this is that your relationship requires and it deserves nurturing. It is a living, breathing thing. Yeah. And you've, we've all heard the saying the grass is greener where you water it. Yes. And intimacy, you being an intimacy coach, mm-hmm. for someone listening to this right now and they maybe didn't hear the previous podcast that we did before. What does that mean? Are you helping people with their sex lives? Is that part of it? What would someone get working with you? That's a great question because it is. It's, I'm not a sex therapist, so we're not going to get into the nitty-gritty <laughs> of it. But intimacy, both we do talk about physical intimacy and what your needs are and how that plays in along with emotional intimacy. And so often we're going around in our lives and we feel more like roommates than soulmates. Even if we get along, maybe there's not necessarily contention in your relationship, but you're just like, this is, like, it's fine, but you don't feel connected. It might be that feeling of I'm laying in bed and next to my partner, 
and he, you know, he or she's inches away, but I feel like we're miles away because we've changed and we've become disconnected. And so the intimacy part is really learning how to reconnect the hearts again and have those conversations to have the deep dreams and passions and goals and, you know, to share what's going on in your heart and your head and what do you want. And it's not necessarily what do you want in this, you know, I want to have a mansion and and a million dollars, but to share what you want your relationship to be like, the Mm -hmm. level of support that's important to you. And because men typically, you know, feel intimacy deeper physically and women emotionally, like they both need to be present, especially, you know, in a heterosexual relationship that for men and women, but in any relationship that it's not one without the other. And that's something that I've really learned that when I become more emotionally connected, our physical intimacy levels up. Yes. And the interest levels up and what I can share with him levels up and, you know, like to keep that also. And then when I'm physically, like think of the next day after you fooled around, like you're on like seven, <laughs> you're on cloud nine and you're like, the world is great. And you know, I'm and, not mad at anyone or anything. Life right. is good. Right. You know? And so we have this resistance on the front end to, for many emotional reasons. And sometimes it's one of those things where like, you know, you're actually hurting yourself more than, you know, for whatever is going on in your relationship, that by by withholding that aspect of your relationship. And so I think just having, being able to vocalize, I think for women, especially intimacy, physical intimacy is a really challenging thing because so much of it actually has nothing, like our level of libido and sexual drive actually has a lot less to do with our partner than it does with our hormones, how we feel about ourselves and our own confidence level when we're naked. Like it has to do with mm-hmm. um, not being able to shut our brain off. Yeah. <laughs> like men, I always say men are a light switch on off and women, we are on a dimmer switch. And right. <laughs> like well, we think, need think to about like, when, think about when the whole craze hit with 50 shades of gray, the books, right. And there were so many guys that are like, what? I don't get it. So it's a sex book. It, it was the mentally how it was playing with our brains is what was making it so erotic. Mm-hmm. It, it was that part of it. And, you know, reading about it and romance novels and those kinds of things, because our brains need to be into it for our bodies to be into it. Exactly. Yes. And I think so. there's you know a great opportunity for women to be able to understand and articulate that, because I think a lot of women... They just like, I'm just not in the mood. And they can't actually explain what are the drivers behind it for them. For women, like accelerators and brakes, guys like thinking about things in cars. And so there's certain things that can help accelerate our mood. And there's certain things in that it has a certain sensitivity. And then there's certain things that will put the brakes on if whether we're in the mood or not. And that has a certain level of sensitivity. And so when we work together, we really figure out what those things are. And whether it's, you know, for the woman to figure out and how she can understand them and explain them and share them with her partner or for, you know, the guy to help understand why he just can't snap his fingers. And she's like, okay, let's go. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, Well, and I'm glad that you talk about how you're going to work with them individually, because I learned that from our last conversation that you don't work with couples. You work with people individually. 
And, and I feel like more comes out in conversation when you do it that way. That's been my experience. And as somebody that's gone through, you know, couples counseling as well from my last marriage, you know, I still had hesitation being completely vulnerable because even if it was all nice and we did not have a contentious relationship, but still that was part of the problem in the relationship is that we did have that intimacy built up. So we couldn't say all the things because it would trigger one of us. So even if it was said, quote unquote, in the safe place during the session, it's still, once you walked out of that office, then like, well, why'd you say that? Why didn't you ever tell me that before? How did, and it didn't feel like it helped. And I also then felt in the session even though we had a great therapist, I wanted him to tell me I was right. <laughs> My ex-husband <laughs> that he was wrong. Like, everybody wants that, right? Like, everybody wants to know that they're not at fault for that and, and not to be called out in front of somebody. And so when we're in that individual place, I can reflect to them that perhaps there's an opportunity for them to step up, to do something a little differently, that there's a different perspective, putting yourself in your partner's shoes. Not necessarily that there's a right or wrong, but just a different way to look at it. And when we do that individually, it's much easier for them to be able to step back and and see that about themselves when they're not feeling the potential shame, embarrassment, of of that with having their partner next to them. Yeah, or just, like you said, the the tension or the conversation later on the ride home. I wonder that sometimes with therapists that do couples counseling, there have to be more times than not where couples walk out and they're like, what is that car ride home going to be like right now? But Mm -hmm. for you to work with an individual, it almost makes it even more of a... I don't want to say safe place. I mean, counseling, Mm -hmm. there's benefits Mm -hmm. to all types, but it is a free space to say what you want because you're working with someone like yourself that isn't directly in the relationship. And you can be more honest and perhaps more vulnerable with the goal of getting down to what you need to do to feel fulfilled and get that intimacy back in your relationship. Absolutely. And I think the other part of working the way that I do, I is that I'm now empowering that partner, the one that stepped up and said, I really want this to be better, that they get to be the hero, right? Like they get to take all that they're learning in our coaching sessions and the, all their own personal work that they've done and take that to their partner and say, this is what I want my relationship. I, this is what I want our relationship to look like. Yeah. Here's, you know, to facilitate the conversation and not coming from them from a sincere place, not because the therapist told us to do this. And I think the second thing is that just to clarify the difference between coaching and therapy, and there's a time and place for both. For some people, it's one or the other, but like they're both important, but to distinguish the difference that therapy is really about healing the past and coaching is about creating the future. So I think the other aspect of working together is that we really look at what do you want to create out of your life and your relationship? What do you want it to look like? And we work toward creating that for you. Yes. And I, and I think that's so profound how you said that coaching is to work on the future of what you want it to, what you want it to be. What is your perfect scenario? You you are the author of your story. Mm -hmm. And that's why I'm so into how you do this. And I think a lot of people listening could benefit working with you and to go to some of those places that are maybe a little uncomfortable, but to try to get that life that you deserve. 
uh-huh. and that you want. And for people to get in touch with you, they can visit forloveofyou.com. I know you're on Facebook, For Love of You Coaching, and you're also on LinkedIn at Allison Orlovsky. And we'll link this up at 991themix.com. This is the month of love, and I really am hopeful that this year people can find that love because we need so much of it now more than ever with what we all went through last year. There's no better time to start than now. Yes, I completely agree. It's life-changing. So right? Go after it. Yeah, because yeah. when your relationships are good and you're happy, that bleeds into mm-hmm. everything else. Yes. Thank you once again, Allison, for being here on Fifty Shades of K. Love talking with you and hearing your enthusiasm for helping other people. You're changing lives, and that's that's amazing. So thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. This has been the Fifty Shades of K podcast with host Elizabeth K. If you enjoyed this episode, share it with a friend. Make sure to subscribe on iTunes and leave a review. Thanks for listening.